Welcome to this episode of Drew and Co. Unplugged. I do apologize that I'm recording this episode later than normal. Typically, I would have already had the sports one done, but Zach and I are planning on doing that later this evening, being that it is uh, Thursday afternoon. And then this one, I've just been super busy. So I guess this is more of a randomness type of episode. I don't have a hardcore specific topic I want to address, but I guess this is like a life update. Work has been super busy for um, those of you that don't know. I work in construction. I do um, a lot of different things for the company overall. So it's a general contractor, that kind of thing. Great, great place. Uh, last episode that I aired that wasn't football was talking about shortcomings. That was one of those topics that some of the listeners out there have been telling me to talk about. And again, I can't thank those out there who have been listening to this enough. It's been well beyond any measure of expectation I could have ever had or um, desire. And it's giving me that drive to continue to push and continue to grow this channel. It's definitely, like I said a million times, that it's not going to be the Joe Rogan experience. It's not going to be the the New Heights podcast with uh, Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, that type of level but it is growing we are getting uh viewership has been fantastic like i said well beyond any expectation i've been fortunate enough to get zach on a consistent basis out on the podcast talking about ohio state college football landscape we've even did some episodes on the nfl and then i also was fortunate enough to get sabrina talk about her story and what that looked like for her. Against that rattling. Try to fix that. Hopefully that takes care of that. But overall, it's just been so fantastic. And I feel blessed that anyone tunes in regardless. You know, even if I had one listener, two listeners, it just to know that someone out there gives a shit about what I'm saying or it's enough of entertainment for them to have playing in the background, whether they're doing something around the house or just driving in the car and listening to what I would say is a very normal person. At least I think I'm normal. Um, but anyways, I did have a couple people ask me to talk about the parenting experience. Now, Number one, I am not an expert. I have one child. I know there are plenty of people that are my age that have multiple children. There are people my age that don't have children. There are people that cannot have children, unfortunately. There's a million different scenarios. But being in my experience, I think the most interesting thing, and this might sound bad, and I don't mean it in a bad way, 
when you're a first time parent and your child's born, it's very exciting. You're at the hospital and then depending on how your experience is, it could be good. It could be bad. Um, overall, it really doesn't, you know, it has its own factorizations for myself. It was an overall pretty good experience. Obviously I can't speak for my wife. Uh, she's the one that, you know, had the child. <laughs> I was just there for as much support and comfort as possible as I would like to believe most of the men out there are. And I remember specifically the drive home. And I, I feel like a lot of parents, especially when it was their first kid can relate to this. When you're driving home that first time, mom's sitting in the back with the baby. And I remember getting on the freeway out here in California because we were in San Diego at the time. That's where he was born. And I probably went like almost below the speed limit. I was so nervous. It was almost as if I was like my first time driving again because I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got this insanely precious cargo. I just can't, you know, I could never fathom getting into an accident or something happening. So I drove so carefully on the way home. And I remember getting to my house at the time. Uh, our entire family was there. So my side of the family, her side of the family. And we are pulling in the driveway. I'm starving at this point. I hadn't eaten. My wife hadn't eaten. It was just, we were ready to offload. And those of you that have been through the hospital thing shout out to all the dads out there for having to sleep on a chair especially if you are above six foot and have some decent size to you absolute misery not saying it's as bad as the mother's experience but everyone has their own experience um so i'm just ready to be able to shower sleep in my own bed, just the whole nine, try to get settled, and we roll up into the driveway, and everyone comes barreling out of the house, and, uh, like, you want it, and one, one part of you wants it in terms of you want that experience for your family, you know, it's their grandkid, it might be their first, it might be their second, whatever. You want to be able to let them have that good experience but at the same time you want to be able to just go home you know decompress if it's possible and so everyone come barreling out the house they left the door open the dogs got out at the time we were actually living by a busy road like it was a little bit of a hill and then it's the busy road so i had to like run after the dogs get them inside it was just insanely stressful um anyone that knows my mother and if you don't know my mother that's okay she is a picture holic person i know that's not a word i don't care she has to take photos of everything all the time constantly and everyone knows the last thing like you're coming home from the hospital, all that. You don't want to take photos. Hell, you barely... If it wasn't for the the child being born and being so over 
overwhelmed with joy of the child. You wouldn't want photos at the hospital either. Those of you that do the newborn shoots, hats off to you. I wanted no part of it. We got our couple of pictures and we're good. Um, but again, that's my experience. So we bring them home. My mother wants to get all these photos and I'm just like, yo, like, I remember my wife and I, we went, we took our son Aiden. Um, she was going to feed him. So we went and sat on our bed and we were literally eating KFC chicken tenders, talking about how we just want to exist in peace and I know like I said that sounds bad in terms of all of our families there they obviously all paid to fly and travel um, both of our families live completely out of state and but it's just overall it's an exhausting experience for everyone um, you know when you're the mother you're trying to heal you're also trying to uh, figure things out and make sure that you know if you're breastfeeding getting that schedule down or at least establishing it, figuring out, you know, what your baby likes, doesn't like, that kind of thing. And it's just, it was, um, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. I actually, congratulatory shout out to one of my buddies that I was in the Navy with. He and his wife just had their second and third child, children, child, children, however that goes out. Uh, twins, so congratulations, Brandon and Sydney. Hopefully you guys hear this. If you don't, I'll at least let you know. Um, super exciting time for them. And then I have another one of my Navy buddies who's also expecting twins. So Avery, congratulations to you and your wife as well. Looking forward to seeing all the photos when your children are born and just exciting times overall. But getting back to my experience. so what the first week is like it's uh it's a little intense in terms of from the dad side i knew i wanted to do anything and everything i possibly could to be there and be present and help the unfortunate reality that you experience early on when your child is breastfed is that uh, you do not have the food source <laughs> So all you can do is literally just sit up and be awake and be present. And as bad as it sounds, you're actually setting yourself up for failure in another way because the real help will come if there's, if you are at the point where you can, you know, give your baby a bottle that, you know, your spouse or whoever, mom, so to speak, pumps, then you can take that little bit of time in the morning to allow her to sleep. And I would just wake up every time regardless. And I knew, like at one point, I remember looking over at my wife and I was like, yo, we gotta do this for 18 years. Like he's here to stay. And I know that sounds terrible. I don't mean it. I didn't mean it in a negative way at that point. It's just kind of like that overwhelming reality of like, hey, you are no shit a parent now. And to put it in context, when my son was born, um, yes, we'd been married over a year and all that thing. Um, but I was also only 23 and I definitely wanted to have a child. That was, he was planned. Um, 
but still there's always that reality of like, holy shit, I'm a adult, young adult, uh, raising a kid. And it's, uh, it would be interesting anytime I would go out in public when he was like a baby, baby, if I went alone, which typically we never, we would always go together. But if I went with him alone, I would get the comments of like, oh, is that your brother? Is that yada, yada, yada? I'm like, no, mofo, it's my child. He looks like me, I think. <laughs> Which I've still never, I don't see that. Everybody tells me that though. Um, so then you move on. Um, I remember I had to get flown back out to my ship to be underway when he was uh, nine days old. I didn't even get the 10th day. So that was fun. And I mean that with every bit of sarcasm. That's like, it's always difficult to leave your kid. Anyone who's had to like leave their kid involuntarily, right? I mean, yes, I volunteered for the Navy at the time, but I didn't know when I volunteered that I was going to get married and have a child while in. That was never, uh, never even a thought or imagination so but leaving him the first time when he was a baby baby I knew I was leaving my wife stranded at home we still had the two dogs and just it was gut-wrenching and I knew like in that point right there I think that's when my love for the Navy started shifting a little bit and I was like man I don't know if I want to do this long term. I don't. I don't like leaving my kid. And there, we were in and out the sea all the time too when he was in his early months. And I missed a lot of things, a lot of firsts, and that sucked. And that's you know stuff I'll never get back. I remember being on the boat and I'd get videos that would uh, my wife would send to me, and they'd be you know coming through the ship's network. It'd be all pixelated and it'd be skipping. It would take hours to load and it was uh it was tough and brandon who i talked about earlier having the twins he and i we were uh if you want to call it rack mates or whatever we slept across from each other in the birthing he and i would talk about it all the time leaving our kids and how tough it was and doing um because i remember his kid was born a year before my son and so, like, we did RIMPAC, which is, like, a good, like, two-and-a-half-month event. And he was missing a bunch of firsts. And it was – it's it's tough. It's tough. Especially if what you're currently doing is not a great time for you at that time. And at that time, we were actually going through a lot of growing pains in the Navy. So we were trying to work those things out. And he's also trying to go through – early stages of fatherhood and figuring that out. Uh, so not a easy overall evolution. We moved to Washington state when I had to actually move like three and a half, four months ahead of time. And we didn't have any childcare or anything like that set up because you have to get on a wait list and all this stuff. So I went by myself with dogs so I missed all that time um, just a lot of missed time and it's one of those things you obviously you can never get it back you can do everything you can to make up for it and I feel like in a sense 
Um, I'm not as bad about it now as what I used to be, but I was like, anytime I would go to the store, I would go anywhere, I felt like I had to, I wanted to get my kids something, whether it's a toy or a game or whatever. Um, I always wanted to get them something, and I'm like, man, I don't know if this is because I'm just overly spoiling him and want to give him literally the world, or is this uh, me compensating for time I've missed, or whatever. Now that he's six, and I'm not so bad about it, now it's it's Froyo, actually. <laughs> He's obsessed with Froyo. I am too, so we get that a lot. Typically, we do it on Tuesdays, but sometimes we do it on Tuesdays and Fridays or Saturdays or all the days. Uh, it's just how it is. But one of the other things is, so we were dual military and both active duty. We had to, from... When our kid was four months old, put him in childcare, and we didn't, we never had, and still don't have the luxury of having family that lives remotely close. The closest family is, I think, eighteen hundred miles away, and then my family's like 2,800 miles away. Um, so nobody's nobody's close. At the time, I mean, we had some friends, but not, not, hey, can you watch my baby friends type of deal. So having to take him to daycare, it's tough. And it's not tough in the aspect of having to leave him. It's the, the worry of, okay, well, I don't know who this stranger is. Sure, we did an orientation and met them, but overall, like, I have no idea who this person is. I don't know if they're going to take great care of my kid. I would imagine they would because the facility is established and has good reviews and all that, but you never know. You've, if you're a parent, you have read the horror stories that happen at childcare facilities. And so I remember having to do that for years. I mean, we did it for all the way through until I got out. And that was at the end of 2020. And thankfully, sounds bad, COVID was happening. We were about to be moving back down to San Diego from Washington State. So I just was going doing some school stuff and that's it. And so I got to really spend a lot of time with Aiden and really, I don't want to say make up lost time, but just really develop that father-son relationship and make it extremely strong and a great bond between each other. So I'm grateful for that. And, and of course we moved back down from Washington, San Diego. And by this time, he's now going into uh, preschool. So we get him, um, we actually invested a rip, so to speak, put him in a private preschool. And because we always had like a little bit of a inkling 
that he was behind. He wasn't overall right, but every parent worries about that. At least I think they do, unless we're... I think they do. We'll just leave it at that. Every parent worries about, hey, is my kid developing enough? Am I doing all the right things? Are they lacking in any area that we're not aware of? Is there anything that we can do? So we wanted to put him in the best preschool we could, and we did, which is great. And it was overall, like, there was a couple of times that there were some iffy experiences. And what I mean by that is when one of the workers there have something to say about your kid. I never understood growing up why adults would get so mad about, you know, somebody saying, hey, yada, 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 this is what your child did, or we think this about your child. Holy shit. You want to talk about zero to a thousand in terms of anger and I'm ready to fight somebody. It's your kid. Touchiest subject you can ever have with somebody. I remember there was one instance where the program director of the preschool, and most of these kids that are at this preschool, they can start as early as 18 months. And so almost every kid that was there, they had been there since they were 18 months. He rolled up in there at three years old. So, of course, he's behind those kids because they've been in a structured environment for, you know, a year and a half, some of them more. And the program director had the audacity to try and say to me, oh, actually, she said it to my wife. She didn't say it to me. I feel like they purposely didn't say it to me because I'm a psycho. They said, oh, we feel like he has some autistic tendencies. We think that he's autistic. And obviously, as parents, we want to believe our children are perfect. And in, in our eyes, they are in every way perfect with all of their imperfections. Um, but yeah, so she... She says that to my wife, and I am just beyond livid. I'm at level 2,000. I'm ready to go torch the place at this point. That's how mad I am. So I'm like, and I ended up having a conversation with her, and I asked the director, I said, hey, where did you get your degree from? And she said, oh, I don't have a degree. I was like, that's so weird, because I don't remember your name saying MD next to it. And so how are you qualified to make a medical diagnosis of a child based on you observing their class for 15 minutes? That's how long she was in the classroom. So, but of course, you know, when someone tells you that kind of thing, despite you knowing that it's BS, it lingers and you think and you wonder and you're like, man, do I, do I need to get them tested? Um, so we did a lot of research and it wasn't aligning with what she, you know, was saying, but still there was always that, that lingering thought. I think that lasted probably the better part of like six months for me. I don't know how long for my wife. I never asked her, 
but people don't realize the impact that our kids have on us as parents and that kind of thing. I mean, it'll, it'll mess you up, whether it pisses you off or it makes you upset or whatever. It just, for me, it pissed me off. And obviously I shared my fair share of words with the program director that I don't need to completely restate on here. But dealing with that was tough. So we were constantly watching him. It made me feel like I had to watch him extra. Everything he did at home, watch him with his schoolwork, watch him with every single thing. And I felt like, and I know my wife was the same way. We were getting so exhausted with it. And, and there's nothing wrong, obviously, with um, a child having autism or any type of disability. But again, as parents, we want to believe and think that our children have every ability in the world. And when you get that kind of thing told to you, you're instantly, your, your guard's up, your wall's up, and that's it. So we actually ended up talking with a physician and seeing if there was sorry lovely people on the freeway um so we actually we just said f it like we just need to put this to rest so we did ask certain questions he's perfectly normal any of the concerning things that he was doing all children do it completely normal never been an issue and he is such a sweet sweet child very tender-hearted and i just the whole time I kept thinking to myself, like, oh my gosh, like if this is, if this is a real thing, we're going to have to deal with him potentially, you know, dealing with bullies, what type of, how can we make him best prepared for life if this is a thing? So all of these thoughts and everything cross your mind whenever somebody talks to you about that kind of thing. And like I said, thankfully, he's perfectly normal. He's done exceptionally well. He did great in preschool. He did great in kindergarten. And now he's doing great in first grade. So thankfully, that went well. Um, another thing that we dealt with with him. So a lot of most parents out there know what nursemaid's elbow is. So our kid, he would get that all the time. And basically, it's when a kid dislocates their elbow because the joint's not fully developed. And so we would have to, I'm pretty sure I took him to the ER at least three or four times. And it got to a point where a doc literally was like, hey, this is how you set it back in place. So we had to deal with that. And that's like, because initially the first time it happened, I thought for sure he broke his arm. Doing what? I don't know. But he was just holding it, wouldn't move it, wouldn't touch it. I mean, and it's excruciating pain. And we had to wait because at the time my wife was deployed. So it was just me and him. And he was two at the time. I had to wait with him in the ER for seven hours before we were seen. And it was an absolute nightmare absolute nightmare 
I hope nobody else has to go through that. Obviously, some people will because it is a common thing. So that's another thing that I've dealt with with parenting. And there's all these other little tiffs, so to speak, here and there where, you know, when somebody says anything negative about your kid, when you're a parent, man, I tell you what, you are so quick to snap back at them. And even if it's harmless, but the way you perceive it, if you perceive it as negative towards your kid, that's like, say whatever you want about me, I could care less. But my child, holy moly, it's like I said earlier, zero to a thousand. So that's another thing that you deal with. And then just dealing with the overall, you are developing and growing a human who has their own personality, their own set of ways of doing things, thinking, and it's hard to not be biased in the way that you raise them and have them. Because obviously we feel like we are great people and do great, you know, do good things. So we want our child to be similar, but there's different personality traits that are just, that I don't have that he has. Like a prime example, I'm not saying he's not into sports, but he's not like over the moon about it. When I was a kid, I, I mean, you couldn't get me out of sports and trying to navigate that. I'm not trying to be too pushy because the last thing I want to do is be one of those parents that forces their kids to their kid to do things because they did it as a kid. Like, but it's also the environment that you're currently living in. I feel like if I were still living back home in Ohio, I would have my kid play in every sport because that's just what you do in that environment. And that's what everyone does back in my hometown. But out here in San Diego, it's different. It's um, a lot more lax in that aspect. Obviously, there's still a crap ton of sports, but the variety of sports is so much wider. The variety of the arts in terms of music, instruments, gymnastics, karate, although karate is not arts. Uh, I don't think gymnastics is either, but there's just so many different programs that you can let your kid try out. So we literally just say, Hey buddy, we give him like two, three, four options. Hey, do you want to do any of these? And he'll pick one and then we put him in it. And it's normally like two months, three months. And then we do make him complete it start to finish, obviously to let him experience it. Now, if he says no to all of them, we might give him other options. Um, but overall, we do try to get him at least enrolled into something to where he has that continuing social interaction. He gets to develop teamwork skills and understand losing. Overall, just understand that you are going to lose in life. And some people might be butthurt that I'm not talking about winning and all that. Yes, winning is fantastic. But losing is, that's life. And we know as adults, probably, I don't know, 70% of the time you're taking fat L's. Left and right. Oh, work sucked. That's a loss. Oh, 
I thought I was going to do this today. Couldn't do that. Wanted to cut the grass today. Couldn't do that. I was going to do X, Y, and Z. Nope. Didn't do it. Just fat L's. But you also teach them to properly celebrate the victories, the small victories. And I think one of the best communities out there to do this in is the wrestling community. Because you can see whether you're winning or losing overall, yes, it matters. But you can see that growth. And a lot of times kids are able to look back and think, wow, like I started and I didn't know anything. I couldn't do anything. And now I'm over here doing all these, you know, moves and submission holds, all that good stuff. I'm not going to talk like I understand and fully know wrestling because I don't. But that type of analogy or one of the things I, I guess if I have been trying to push Aiden into something, I would love for him to want to golf. That's like, I know a lot of people out there, oh, you can learn that later in life. That's not like, you know, basketball, football, out here, soccer, water polo. That's not something that you only get for a short period of time. But overall, anyone who fully understands the game of golf knows the type of discipline it takes, the type of mindset you have to be able to have to be completely and solely independent and accountable for yourself. And that's like, I would say my number one parenting motive that I push for is accountability. If my kid can keep his word and remain accountable, then I'll feel like I did overall a good job parenting. Also, quote that I feel like by now the internet has surfaced to much of you parents out there. But if you haven't heard it, this is true. If you constantly feel like you are failing as a parent or not doing good enough, it is because you are a damn good parent and you actually give a shit about your kid or kids. There's so many people out there that just go through the motions and there are times where you feel overall inconvenienced and it's not your kid's fault. It's just the situation itself. Prime example, there are times that I do not want to take my child to the store, like the grocery store, because I want to go there, get in, get all the stuff I need, get out. But if I take them, it's an evolution. We're going to walk slower. There's going to be a lot of questions, which is perfectly fine. There's probably going to be some form of negotiation occurring to get a toy or get McDonald's. And more than likely, both will happen because I love spoiling my child. And sometimes you just need that peace, too, when you're a parent. And those of you out there that are, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's nice to be able to go to the grocery store and just push a cart in peace. Although more than likely somebody at the store is probably going to ruin that experience. Or if you go to Hellmart, aka Walmart, then that'll probably ruin your experience too. If you feel remotely about the way, the way about Walmart that I do. 
I hate it, but I don't need to get off on that tangent because I've already complained about that at one point. Lord knows I could do an entire episode on it, probably two. But overall, just getting that break here and there, it, it does go a long way for when you're becoming a new parent. I know this is kind of flip-flopping back and forth in terms of time frames, but I'm not really ultra time specific here. When you're becoming a new parent, one of the things you'll experience is everyone and their mother and brother will tell you, oh, congratulations, do X, Y, and Z, or don't do this, or don't do that, or whatever. I'm going to tell you right now, you'll have people out there that tell you, oh, hey, you'll never use this you'll never use that whenever you're making a registry guess what every kid's different prime example in our kids room a lot of people said hey you know the diaper changing station you're never going to use that you'll just change it you know right there wherever you are well fun fact we picked our kid up and took him to that station every single time Unless we were out in public, which we had our own little portable station thing that we took then. But overall, we took him to that thing every single time. A lot of people say they don't use their uh, glider. The little glider with the ottoman that's also a glider. We used it multiple times a day, every single day. I have friends that didn't use it. It's really completely up to you and what you want to do as a parent. Now, are you going to know beforehand? Eh, odds are probably not. And that's one of the things that you will learn as you become a parent. But speaking of parenting, I am going to go inside and pick up my child. So I will pick back up on this episode shortly. Stay tuned. Right, we are picking back up from where we left off. It's actually 48 hours later. <laughs> so, probably lost the train of thought that I had at that time, but we were discussing parenting and I experienced something recently. I was at a store and I had I was waiting in line to be checked out the classic you know I had somebody behind me they had their kid and they told them no because they couldn't afford something now obviously my instant reaction was "Ooh, I can just turn around and pay for it no big deal but one of the things that I believe is important for children to learn even though it is difficult is that you know you don't always get your way and there are times at some point where you may not be able to afford something what that something is it's dependent upon your situation for some people it's a new car or a house or something 
new or better than what you currently have. In other situations, the really bad situations, it's food, bills, etc. In this situation, I happen to notice they had, you know, an entire overflowing cart full of stuff. So I'm assuming they were either they had a set budget that they were rolling with or a list. And basically the kid wanted an additional, I guess you'd say toy. Well, the kid already had two that they let him pick out. And then the dad had said, no, we can't afford that on the third one. And it's not, this might sound bad, but it's not my job or anyone else's job to play savior. Now, I say that in the context of there's a big difference between doing the right thing and buying something for somebody who needs it, i.e. food, clothing, hydration, that kind of thing. But when it's, you know, someone that's got a full cart of stuff and the kid's already getting a couple of toys and it's not your job or my job or anyone else's job to turn around and say, ah, I'll get that third toy, no big deal. I didn't know it was the third toy initially, so at first I felt bad because I know even though... <laughs> The situation always varies, but when it comes to being told no as a child, you hate it, especially when it's a toy or something small or something like that. And this is where I know I'm not the world-class parent I want to be because I always buy my kid stuff. I stay buying him stuff because I always want to give him everything and more and in this situation the kid needed to be told no could they have afforded it maybe maybe not I don't know but again it's not like they had 11 items in their cart or seven items in a basket they had an overflowing cart so I would imagine they just didn't want to buy three things for their kid and I was listening to this other podcast the other day, and it was talking about people want to play savior constantly for other people. And initial thoughts on that were, well, yeah, we want to try to do the right thing for others. We want to do the good thing. And then it kind of breaks down the situations and it talks about playing savior for someone who doesn't need it and essentially trying to impose your will onto them, whether it be purchasing something, whether it be speaking for them or whatever the situation may be, it's not our place. If you're wanting to play savior, Raise money for a cause. Donate to a cause. Give to a homeless person on the street or a needy family or give to the church. Depending on the church, I'll say that because there are a lot of for-profit churches out there that don't need it. But overall, we are very quick to play savior. Some people, 
And the reality is, is we don't do it for someone else. We, we tell ourselves we do it for someone else, but in reality, we're doing that shit for ourselves to validate ourselves. And I'm a good person. I try to do the right thing or I do do the right thing. And that's not always the case more often than not. And this podcast breaks down a bunch of studies as well that are referenced that more than 70% of the time when people are doing these good deeds, they're not doing it for the sole factor of just doing the right thing or helping someone out. And I think a big place that you see this, and I know I'm straying off the topic of parenting, but I don't care, is on social media. You'll see these people doing these awesome videos where they're giving to these people, whether it be tickets to a game or money, etc. And that's awesome. I love watching them. But on the flip side, I hate it in another sense because if someone... And a lot of these people, I like to believe they truly are in need and it's not a staged video. You're filming someone at their most desperate, worst times of their lives. And you're putting them on camera essentially. And they're, you know, they, they need to take it. They need to take the handout. So they're forced. Sure. You might say, Hey, is it okay if you're on my video, I use these videos to help raise money to continue doing X, Y, and Z donations. Obviously, they're going to say yes. They feel obligated. So that's kind of a hit or miss for me on that. And But it did get me thinking about the parenting aspect and telling our kids no. And I brought this up earlier in the episode on the first recording that I was really bad about never telling my kid no and always buying him something at the store. He never asked for it or he never even knew, but I would just do it because, because I wanted to, because I wanted to give him anything and everything I possibly could because that helped me feel like I was being a great dad. But in reality, like I said, in the first part is being a great parent is just showing up and being present. That's all our kids really want is just presence. Your presence shows love. Your presence shows effort. It shows that you're giving them the very most valuable gift that you can ever give them, which is your time. And that's all we really need to do. Obviously there's other duties like, having a job, providing meals and that kind of thing. That beeping you hear is my truck because I'm backing up. However, but on the flip side, whenever you take those things out of the equation, you talk about parenting and raising a kid right and showing them how to be a functioning adult in society. It really comes down to presence. And you can tell when someone has been fortunate enough to be in a situation where they were always gifted presence. And you can tell when someone's grew up or were fostered in a situation where presence didn't exist. And 
a lot of times you will see that type of compensation fall onto the kid. Um, not saying I didn't have presents. I was fortunate, you know, throughout my life with presents. However, there were a lot of times that I was told no. And whether that been for X, Y, and Z reasons, I don't know. But that's where I play in the factorization of over spoiling my child because I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I can. Is that always the case? Maybe not. Will it always be the case? Uh, I hope so. I hope that I'm always in a situation where I'm fortunate enough to be able to do so. I hope that I'm fortunate enough to be able to choose whether to do so or not. But overall, I just wanted to get those thoughts in there. I know this whole episode's a little janky. I took off driving in the first part and wasn't sure I, where I wanted to take it. I just kind of took it as it came. And then the second part, I really just wanted to kind of bring it home. Um, I am hoping, though, that maybe maybe some of this resonates with you, some of the listeners out there. Whether you are a parent, you're not a parent, you're about to be a parent, whatever that looks like in your life situation. Um, but overall, I just, there's a lot of depth that comes with that. And of course, I would love to have somebody on the show talk about it, especially somebody that has multiple children. I'm not saying that other um, only child parent out there because I have an only child um, I would love to talk to somebody that's got multiple to see how the parenting aspect changes I would like to think that it's the same but I know that it's not because when you have multiple children each child will have different requirements at different times given whatever current situation is at hand so with that being said if you are interested in coming on the pod and talking about parenting, or if you want to talk about another subject, that is perfectly fine. I would love to have another guest on here, do another episode, and just continue to learn, grow the channel, have fun, and enjoy doing this. That's why I do it. It's not for monetary purposes. It's not for any of that. It's literally just to get on here, share my thoughts, and have a fun. So with that being said, that will wrap up this episode of Drew & Co. Unplugged. I hope you all stay healthy. I hope you stay blessed and have a fantastic weekend.